Man, wasn't that good this morning? I want to tell you when the musicians and leaders are fired up, you can hear it in the guitar. And you can hear it in the piano. And man, they need to hear it from us. We have something to be excited about today. Now, as you turn with me to Acts chapter 28, uh, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were in chapter 1. And we have literally gone through the birth of the body uh, of the church, the body of Christ, uh, the coming bride. We are uh, now looking back at what God has done. And Luke, uh, the author of the Gospel of Luke, uh, this well-learned man, he was not only a physical doctor, he was a historian and a theologian. Together, he records salvation history. And it, the salvation history has a major theme in this book. He covered ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, missiology, the, the, the doctrine of going, and the doctrine of Christology, that of Christ. We, we start and we see a ragtag group of apostles on the Mount of Olives uh, and Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit falling in that day. We see it advance through and we see a man who had denied Christ three times preach the inaugural message of the church. We see those that were dedicated to serve their Lord give their life for the cause of Christ. We've seen men over and over and over lose their life through this book. We see one of the first deacons, Stephen, standing and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And we see a Pharisee in the corner holding his coat. The coats of those who were stoning him. Only to find out a few chapters later that Jesus loved him too. And Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and saved him and called him. And then we see the theme change. We see God beginning to expand that gospel that He had called Peter to preach unto the Gentiles and unto the uttermost parts of the world. We see the first missionaries. You know, every year we talk about Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon and we get out this life-size cut out of Lottie Moon. And I don't know how tall Paul and Barnabas and Silas and John Mark were, but they are giants in the faith. As they loaded on boats, not cruise ships. As they took scrolls, not smartphones. And they went, not with mission organizations that protected and watched over them and helped them institute but the, the, the partnerships, but literally walked into places that had never heard about Jesus Christ and proclaimed Him as Lord and Savior. We have all watched this for 27 chapters. There's at least eight themes that we have identified throughout the Acts of the Apostles. World Mission... He said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He, we see the providence of God watching over and guiding in all things. We just sang of the omniscience of God. God all-knowing. But we know God to be all-powerful, omnipotent. We know God to be omnipresent everywhere. God is hearing our prayers today just like He would around the globe. I saw on the news this morning, Neil, where they flew the very first 
nonstop flight from New York to Sydney, Australia. 19 hours. And the people who flew agreed to stay awake the whole time so that they could be guinea pigs uh, for the airlines to study what jet lag would do to you. I would be glad to fly nonstop, but they're not going to tell me I can't sleep. The missionaries couldn't, la couldn't load up on a 777. They couldn't get on an A320. They couldn't get on some big 747 and fly around the world. They were committed to do whatever, and God made it happen. Paul didn't urge it uh, to happen. Uh, Peter didn't will it to happen. God did. It was His providence and sovereignty. And we saw it come out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just in the falling of His power upon men who could not speak more than one language. And they began to preach the Gospel in other languages that other people would hear. But it also fell in the destructive force of judgment upon those who they lied to Him. That was to people who proclaimed to be Christians. And Ananias and Sapphira died the death. It's the power of the Spirit. The restoration of Israel, we see that coming through. It, the entire first section is mainly devoted to Jewish believers, but then we see Gentiles included into the Gospel. We see faithful witnesses, Stephen, Philip, Paul, and many more. We saw believers' relationship with the world. Paul dealing with those that thought they were smarter than everyone else at Mars Hill. And he proclaimed, I know who God is. And we saw and see even today as he stood before Festus, Felix, Agrippa, and now at Rome. And we see more than anything. Listen, what did, what did that song say? About mercy? It's enough, right? His mercy for me. Sin causes us all to be jacked up. But His mercy, it's His mercy. For His mercy, Jesus came to the earth. For His mercy, He died on the cross. I was sharing with someone yesterday. Listen, Jesus didn't half die for you and me. Jesus, they didn't put Him in the tomb and leave His arm hanging out. He completely died, completely buried, and praise God, completely risen in the newness of life. That's our Savior. And so today... As you see the title, I think the, the song this morning has perfect. As we look at how what uh, Philip said, you know, you get to the brink, you're like, God, I can't take any more, then you fall off. And you're just falling through midair. And you just feel like there's, there's nothing to stop me. There's nothing that can hold us. And better than any Hollywood show or movie, God swoops in with His mercy that only He can provide. It is a miracle. Any of us are here today, but it is a solid truth we're here by the mercy and pleasure of God. And so as we close this book, the story of the apostles and their acts, their, their 
history. We see storms, shipwrecks, and snakes. I, I don't know too many people that's crazy about snakes. You know, and I've heard, and many of you would agree, that the only good snake's a dead snake. I've heard that all my life. I'm not going to try to get into the, the whole animal theology uh, or animal study about that uh, because there is good and there is not, but they're all good. God created them. Uh, I just like some of those good ones to stay away from me. Storms, shipwrecks, and snakes. Look with me in Acts chapter 28. Now, as we just said, Paul starts at the road to Damascus. And by the way, if you're a young believer, you're excited about the Lord, praise God. And you that are mature Christians, don't be a wet blanket. Okay? It's like telling someone like Alyssa in her first year of teaching. It's like saying, I can't believe you do that. I... I don't understand why anybody would want to be a teacher. You know, when they do that, say, well, I can't understand why you do what you do. That's stupid. No, don't say that. <laughs> I get it all the time. I couldn't do it. No, you can't do what I do because God didn't call you. But you know what? I can't do what you do. And you have a mission right smack dab where you are. But hear this. When a Christian, when someone is born again and they're excited about the Lord... Don't talk about all the negative, negative, well, just watch out for this, and you know how church is, and blah, blah, blah. And we scare them slap to death. We say, you need to slow down, you'll get burnt out. I'm going to tell you, you got to be on fire before you can burn out. And those who are on fire, kindle it. Don't be a wet blanket. And so Paul, when you begin, listen, when you're excited, sometimes, no Darrell Waltrip, Darrell Waltrip, NASCAR, he said, you know what? It's always easy to easier to slow them down than to speed them up. If you got somebody that'll go fast, listen, they may wear the tires out and wreck, but at least they're at the front when they wreck. Then you can slow them down to where they can drive with consistency. But if you can't ever get them off pit road, listen, Christians, what are we? Now I looked at the numbers today and I thought, well, next week's high attendance, today must have been low attendance. We're going to go on and get low attendance out of the way we'll have high attendance next week. Do you know we will not, we will not have the highest attendance ever in Sunday school in the life of this church if you, and insert your name right there, if you don't have a burden for your neighbor, your family, your friends, and your enemy. All we've got to do to keep doing what we're doing is not to do anything. But I got news for you. The world will continue to turn. And the seasons, though, change differently in the South. Today it may be fall, tomorrow may be summer. In three days, it may be the heart of winter. I don't know. And sometimes it changes that day. But I do know it changes, right? Timmy dropped his pick up here. And I turned around to be a good pastor. I want to be a good servant. And I got down. I didn't think I was going to get back up. Because times have changed. 
I'm not the 25-year-old young preacher. I'm not the 40-year-old pastor. I'm 55 years old. And I'm not broken down completely yet, but things change. When Paul started out, he wasn't, he didn't, God didn't call him on the road to Damascus, take him down to the shoreline, put him on a mission boat, and send him to Asia Minor. He sent him to teachers. And we must teach young believers how to follow. Do you know there's such thing, young believers, as tithing? God instituted tithing. We're not giving God 10% of what we have. We're giving Him 10% of what He's allowed us to hold. It's not yours. And if you don't give your 10%, you're a thief. All us southern boys we don't, and southern girls will say, I don't, there ain't nothing I hate worse than a thief. Well, if you're not tithing, you are what you hate. If you don't believe me, read the Old Testament. Read Malachi. We need to teach. We can't expect young people to tithe. We're not going to teach them. We can't expect them to be faithful if we don't teach them. There's got to be a season to be taught. But then there's a time to teach. And as Paul was brought along, he began to go through that. And the older he got in the faith and the more experience he gathered and more God revealed himself, the more problems that came. Storms began to pop up in his life. Shipwrecks. Snakes. He said in verse 1, Now, if you feel like you're in the midst of a shipwreck right now, and you feel like you're just basically Tom Hanks with a bunch of wood with VHS tape holding it together, this, this is for you today. If your marriage is struggling, that's been on my heart this week. I don't know why. But God has laid it on my heart, man. I mean, burning on my heart to pray for couples. If, you're, if your marriage is suffering today, this verse, if you're a believer, this verse is for you. If you're having problems with a, a child who's in rebellion to God, this verse is for you. If you're struggling on the job or you've got that one person we've talked about that their whole purpose in life is to give you grief, this verse is for you today. You having financial problems? Having health issues? This verse is for you today. He said, and when they were escaped. Does that do anything for you? He had been through Beatings. They had beaten Paul, but he yet breathed. They had stoned him and left him for dead, and yet he still breathed. He had just weathered at least a two-week... Listen, you know, if you've seen Abaco Sound and a lot of the Bahamas, when that last hurricane came over, for over 36 hours, it sat over the Bahamas, and expressly uh, over that Abaco Sound uh, area. And there's a group of Georgia Baptists from this area. If you're interested in going, it's like $600. I can put you in touch. Eric Rents, who will be preaching for us the Sunday after Thanksgiving, he is our uh, region uh, Georgia Baptist Catalyst for Missions. And they have set up a partnership. The, the hardware... Are, the, uh, 
building supply places in Jessup, they have offered and they are shipping material down there uh, free of charge. They're shipping material to that area. Now, if you say, oh man, that'd be great. You can take a week off and you can go. Just know it's not going to be a vacation. It's going to be nothing but work. They're not interested in tourists. They're not interested in... They need boots on the ground, gloves with hands in them willing and having a mind to work. And so if you're interested, you can do that. Well, Paul had been through one of those storms not for 36 hours, but for over 14 days. They didn't eat. They didn't sleep. I mean, the boat was ravaged and they were washed ashore. And yet God's Word says, when, not if, when they escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. Now, look at verse 2. And the barbarous people, the people who were maybe native, the rough bunch, people didn't know anything about the Lord, showed us great kindness. Or in the King James, they showed us no little kindness. Big was their kindness. For they kindled us a fire, received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. Now this word escape in the Greek literally means to preserve, to rescue, get this, or to save thoroughly. Now, I just read through the book of Genesis this week. And I got to the ark. But before the ark was a broken, degenerate, barbarous world that had turned their back on God and anything to do with God. And God told Noah, build an ark. He said, sure, God. What is an ark? He said, well, it's a boat. Oh, it's a boat. What's a boat? Got to understand the times. There'd never been a boat. Wasn't a need in a boat. And he began to build. He said, this is how you're going to build it. This tall and this wide and this long. You're going to build it out of this wood and this. And he commenced to building. Everybody would walk by and they'd say, you know how men are. Hey, Noah, what are you doing? Building art. Oh, what's that? It's one of them. Okay. Went on, and as it continued, five years, 15 years, 50 years, on and on and on, people come by, and after a while, they said, Noah, you have lost your mind. You keep talking about this thing about rain, and we don't know that it had ever rained up to this point. He's built a boat that... No one's ever seen or ever had anything to do with. All Noah knew was God told him to do it. And so he'd done it. And you know the story. And one day, one day, Noah got up, just like he had done for hundreds of years. Except this day was different. The rain began to fall. And it failed. And it continued to fall day after day, week after week. And at the last moment, God says, gather all the animals. And He gathered all the animals, including snakes, including gnats. You can ask God when you get there. 
I don't know, but he knows. And you know, when you get on the plane, I always, if I'm sitting close to the door that you get, get in the plane, always watch, make sure they got that door shut and locked down good. She locks it down from the inside. Or he locks it down from the inside so that it can pressurize and you'll be safe. There's been planes crashed because they didn't. But you see, Noah didn't shut the door to the ark because the ark is a picture of salvation. God directed, God provided, and God sealed the door. Noah couldn't have opened that door if he had wanted to. We saw God's great deliverance. Listen to me. He saved them thoroughly. They didn't go through 30 days of flood. They went through 40 days. They went through all the weeks after that until the water lowered from the doves going back and forth and disappearing to the raven. Over and over and over, God provided thoroughly. Listen, the Lord delivered Paul from, number one, the plots of man. You say, I know, some people are so scheming. Be careful, pot. Because all the kettles are black. We're all vessels that are broken, that can hold no water. And sometimes the plots that come against us, they come against our families, and the people who are plotting doesn't even know. But in this case, they did. They knew who Paul was. And they knew they had to stop him. And so the Pharisees came after him. You remember the story where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Paul just pitted them one against another. And, and you know, Paul's standing in the middle and the Sadducees are over here and says, we hate you, we want to kill you. And the Pharisees over here said, yeah, we want to kill you even more. And, and, and Paul's saying, okay. And God just in His great wisdom came over Paul and Paul said, yeah, but I believe in the resurrection. I don't know what the problem is. And the Pharisees said, oh, you believe in the resurrection? Knowing the Sadducees didn't. And all of a sudden, Paul steps back, and now the Pharisees hate the Sadducees even more, and they hate them, and they're bickering. And the Pharisees all of a sudden pull Paul over on their side for just a little bit. The Lord delivered Paul from all of the plots. Plot after plot. How many times? You remember one time, listen. When we built our first house in Douglasville, and the kids got a little bit older, uh, and, and this is not for every parent, but this is the way we figured we would do things. We didn't put up baby gates. We had steps that went up and had a balcony and rooms upstairs. We just figured we'd teach them how to come up and down. If they fail, pray they land the right way. And uh, we knew they had hard heads like their um, daddy. And uh, so Ethan learned how to just scoot down. He just, woo, woo, woo. you knew Ethan was coming down the steps. Well, then they got a little bit older and they figured out how that they could do stuff without having to tote it up and down the steps. And it's called a dumb waiter, basically, that's in the older buildings. But it's really not that dumb at all. They took shoelaces and anything they could find, they'd tie it together, and they would lower down their toys, and we'd say, y'all got to clean this living room up. And they would take a basket or something, tie a string to it, load the basket, pull it up, and dump it. Lower it back down. Pull it back up. Well, there was one time where they had 
come around, came in the building to kill Paul. And they let him down in a basket and he escaped. Other places that, you remember one time where his nephew warned him? said, they're out there, they're going to kill you. God used others in His protection. I want you to understand something today. God loves you. God cares about you. And the Lord, if you are born again, this is not all there is. Some of us are already wringing our hands about the election next year. I'm going to tell you something. They, if we're still here, they're going to hold an election and somebody's going to get elected. But it's not going to change who sits on the throne of glory. It's not going to change. I mean, did you cease to exist when your opposing party held office? Becky and I talked about this other night. That me, her, and both our kids were saved under Democrat, or, or was born under Democrats, 1964, 1960-something, uh, 1997, and 1999. So what? But we grew up, and we saw, I did, saw Nixon and what he did. And we saw others that, that betrayed the trust of the American people. Listen, all the plots of man, all these things can't stand the power of God. The piety of religion. The Pharisees, oh, you're not doing the law. You're not doing it this way. They tried it with Jesus and that didn't work either. And so now we have people says, oh, you're not dignified if you talk loud. If you sing this kind of song, then you're not the same kind of Christian I am. And we get in, well, if you don't believe the way I do about this minute detail of some dogma, not even the depth of true uh, uh, doctrine, then, then you're just a heretic and you don't understand what you're talking about and it's just witchcraft. The piety of religion has caused much heartache. But I can assure you, I've read the end of the book too, Andrew. And there is no cordoning off. You know, at the end of World War II, the Allied forces split up Berlin. They split up all the lands. And we saw some of it go behind the Iron Curtain. And we saw the Allies or, or the Americans take some of it, not to keep, but to restore. It's amazing because the part the Americans had, they rebuilt. The part that the Russians had, they built a wall and people died. Great Britain, it was, it was sectioned off. Heaven's not going to be sectioned off. Every color, every country, every language that has named the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be represented. And they'll all make up the bride. The piety of religion. The Lord delivers us from that. The plans of self. Paul, no doubt, he had, remember one time he said, I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to go to Jerusalem. God said, you're not going to Jerusalem. There's great and grandiose plans I've had in ministry. I want us to do this and I want us to do that. And, and, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but this building was originally planned to have like a walking track, I think, around the top and stuff. I don't see no walking track. Sometimes our plans sound really good and sometimes they just don't work out because they're exactly that, our plans. 
Paul had his plan, and then there was God's plan. But may I quote the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as what should be not just a tag that we say because we hear other people say, but because it's our heart when we pray, not my will, but thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. We can avoid the plans of self. God will deliver us. The ploys of Satan. Think about it. The ploys of Satan. He had done everything he could to stop him. And we're fixing to see one more. He tried to get him at every angle. He tried to tr twist his words. They would trap him. They tried to kill him over, 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 over again. I want to share with you a scripture real quick. From 1 Corinthians 10. Look with me in verse 13. He said, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, you're not a lone ranger. You may think you've got it worse than everybody else. You don't. But God is faithful. The people I love the most have let me down. They didn't mean to. They didn't get up that day and say, I, you know, this would be a good day to stick it to you. <laughs> and the people that I love, I have let them down. And I know I say this all the time, but it, re it, it, it demands being repeated. The Lord has never let me down. In the midst of our grief and sorrow, God has never let us down. In the midst of the death of sin, His mercy has never let us down. Church, the ploys of Satan cannot stand because he said, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted. He didn't say you'll not be tempted. He said you'll not be tempted above that ye are able. In other words, with the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, He will not take you into a place He won't keep you. But will with the temptation also make a way. Here's that word again. A way to escape. That you may be able to bear it. He didn't say avoid it, did He? I, I, I like the word avoid. Y'all don't like that? I, I, I really wish it'd say that you may be able to avoid it, but he says you will grow and God will use you through it. Not through avoiding it. The storms are coming. We said that last couple of weeks. But the point, listen, think about this. The barbarous people watched they saw what was going on. And, and by the way, you remember what Paul said when he was on the boat? He said, if you'll do it God's way, he said, the boat's going, going to sink. It's going to be broke up. Everything on this boat, boat will be lost except for the life of men. And everyone will make it to shore. Isn't that what he said? Is that what happened? Bless God, you better believe it happened because God's man in God's time with God's faithfulness told God's word and God did it. And you know what happened? Others benefited from the daily deliverance in Paul's life because he was on 
the boat. Now, when Jonah was on a boat, they suffered because of it. Do you want to be a Jonah or a Paul? Jonah brought the storm on. Paul, because of God's faithfulness and God's call on his life, brought him through it. But not only is the Lord watching. Man, I'm so glad. You know, there's that, that old uh, children's song we sing, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. That is not a Baptist theologically correct song, may I add. You can change the words and make it right. You don't have to pray and ask the Lord to keep your soul. Because I don't care. Sleeping, waking, sick, nauseous, sundowners, sunuppers. I don't care what you're going through. If you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you didn't save yourself and you sure can't keep yourself. But bless God, we've been placed into the Father's hand and no man can pluck us out. And you're a man. You're a human. If, you, if, if someone else can't pluck you out, you sure can't fall out. God's got His grip on you. Trust Him. But then people are watching. They were watching to see what would happen. Look at verse 4. And when the barbarians saw the venomous snake... Well, back in verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, so he didn't just sit around and wait for something bad to happen. He was busy. Church, are we busy being busy? Are we waiting on all the deacons to do all the work? Are we going, like Andrew said, we're going to wait for the 44 no more to show up at 8 o'clock Saturday morning? Are you a member of this church? Then you have a responsibility. If you don't go to Kiwanis, they'll find you. That's kind of a joke, but they still do. They notice and mark who's not there. If you don't go to your civic organizations, you don't pay your union dues, you suffer. How come we think the greatest thing in the world, better than any organization, the body of Christ, we don't have any responsibilities. God owes us everything. We don't work to be saved. And we've been so adamant about that that we've somehow convinced ourselves we don't have to do any work at all. We can sit back. Church, it takes every single one of us. We're not everything God wants because not all of us is where God wants us. Think if, think if this church, now listen to me, if this church had the same dedication you did about studying God's Word and getting up early enough to go to your Sunday school class that you're a member of, if every member had your faithfulness in their church life as you do to the choir or to uh, Sunday night or prayer meeting. Someone told me the other night, it's bad. It was Nathan. Nathan said, I love Wednesday night. It's like my favorite. I said, me too, man. We have such a great time. Prayer and, and just sharing and, and we talk about deep things of God. Listen, and many are busy, many are in other places, but the point is, if our whole church was just like us, what kind of church would we have? People are watching. He said that when he laid these sticks on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat. There comes that stinking snake and fastened on his hand. What do you think you'd do? I've walked through the woods, Ray, hunting, getting ready, you know, for the season. 
still a little warm, be walking to it, and not realize, Randall, that I'd stepped on a little sapling or something. And by the time I got back, that thing would jump up and pop me on the back of the leg. And son, I'd go do the hoodoo dance, you know. I was hopping and jumping and running, and I thought I was bit. One time I went fishing around this little old pond, Mike, and I'd walked around the head. I, I, you know, I got FOMO really bad. A lot of y'all don't know. FOMO is the fear of missing out. I've missed deer because I, I feared I wouldn't be in the right place. And I've done, because I always think there's a better place somewhere else. And I'm learning that in everything in life, if the grass is greener, it's usually over the septic tank. And so this day I said, if I can just get to that one spot on this pond, that's where big boys lay it. I'm talking about, there's a 10-pounder up there. Nobody gets up there because nobody's willing to, to get up there to do it. So I start, grass is high, and I'm walking real easy. Because, hey, at least a rattlesnake says, here I am, cottonmouth, he don't care. And so I walk around the head of that pond, and I go to take one step, and all of a sudden I feel something, and a copperhead jumps up and strikes at me. And he had a brim about that big sideways in his mouth and he, his fangs were dug and he couldn't, he couldn't get me. But he struck me. He hit me, he didn't pierce me. But he, I said, no, that 10 pounder lay right there where he wants to be. All day. He can grow be 12. I don't care, world record. Lay up there and enjoy your life. I'm going down there where they bush hog the grass. I was done. I'm like that old singer. I don't like spiders and snakes. But this one latched onto Paul's hand. You know what he did? You reckon where that thing come from? I ain't got time for all this. It's amazing when we have in perspective how big God is, how little our problems seem in the light of glory. Right? You're, you're able to just kind of shake something. And I'm not talking about it does it grieve you, but there's a difference in burden and worry. There's a lot of things that burden my heart. But if I allow it to become worry, then I have assumed a responsibility God never intended me to have. God didn't intend for me to worry about my kids. He intended me to have a burden and pray for, over them and to give them back to Him. I'm telling you, I, I told you, I read the book of Genesis this week, and when I get to that chapter with Abraham and Isaac, I know God's fixing to skin me. I know it's coming. I, it's like when my daddy said, go to your room. It's the same walk. I said, oh, that chapter's coming up next. And I start praying and confessing stuff. I ain't even done. Because I know it's coming. Because I've lived it. As I heard Dr. Robert Smith preach, it was a spurious sacrifice. As God told Abraham, take your son, your chosen one, take him up on that mountain and sacrifice him unto me. But I'm here to tell you that story is not about the wood. That story is not about the knife. That story was not about Getting Isaac right, it was all about Abraham. To realize that God gave him and he belonged to him and God would do the work. But you know, as 
I can just picture as Abraham took that knife. You remember what Isaac asked his daddy? Now, how'd you like to be daddy? We all have to answer our kids hard questions sometimes, don't we? I'll never forget when my kids looked at me and says, Hey, did this family member die? And I had to say, yes, they did. And one where they said, did they go to heaven? Hardest answers I ever had to give my kids is to look at them and say, no. No, they didn't. There's no fruit. There's no testimony. But they died under the grace of God. It's a hard thing. But I can picture as Abraham took that knife in his hand and raised it over his head to plunge into his son, to take his life. Hebrews summed it up. Abraham was so convinced in who God was that if he did kill Isaac, God would raise him back from the dead. That's the kind of faith God wants from us. Give it to him, church. People are watching. God said, Paul, you're going to Rome. Now the world says, no, you're not. The water said, no, you're not. Religion said, no, you're not. Listen, no demon of destruction, no God, uh, gods of the pagan, not even the Lord of darkness could stop what God had willed in the life of Paul. What God guides you to, God will guide you through. God had a purpose for Paul's life and he wasn't going to allow it to be interceded. He would not allow it to be mingled. He would not allow it to be changed. God has a plan for you. Trust Him. Through the storms of life, when it seems like everything is shipwrecked, and even when the serpents of this world come biting at us. People are watching. He said they were watching. He said when He shook off the beast into the fire. He felt no harm, howbeit they looked and when they should have swo uh, he should have swollen or fallen down dead. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, <laughs> they changed their minds. You reckon a lot of people are, have no need for church, no need for the Lord, no need for an idea of salvation because what they see doesn't match up with what they hear. People are watching. They watch when we lose our temper. I'll never forget when I first talked to Coach Patton the day that he had come to the golf tournament. He didn't know Emily, didn't know me. We really, I'd heard, I mean, I knew I was a Georgia Baptist pastor. I knew about Tripp McConnell, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And that Monday, we, had had, we were in revival here. Brad Waters had preached that Sunday. And uh, Monday, Becky began to text me. And if you remember that Sunday night, the night before, Becky's mother had gone to glory. And so her and Emily had went on about four hours sleep and they're playing the golf tournament. And she texts me and I've kept them. I've saved them. I want, they're sacred to me. 
She said, there is a golf coach and she and word uh, autocorrect messed it up and she had to redo it. And she said, from Truett McConnell here watching Emily. And, and she said, bright moment on a dark day. Well, then I talked with Coach Patton and I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm thankful for you coming and watch Emily. I mean, what do you think? He said, oh, yeah, I want her. He, you got to understand, Coach Pat. I mean, listen, he is like, I, I don't know that they make a pill that could calm down his just excitement and energy. And he's just like, oh, man, I got I to gotta have her. I, she, she's got to come to truth. I said, well, she's talking to Shorter and talking to Emmanuel and talking to some other. He said, no, I, I got to have her. I said, well, do you want her to come up? Are you going to come down and... You know, we can go out to the driving range, you know, play some holes. He said, oh, no. No, I saw everything I need to see. No, I, I said, well, you, coach said that you were only there for about three holes. He said, I saw all I need to see. I said, well, what? He said, I didn't go to see what she shot or how good she did on a hole. She wouldn't have been playing in that tournament. That, that's an advanced tournament. That's not just a regular tournament. She was playing in an advanced tournament. I knew she could play. What I wanted to see is what she would do when she hit a bad shot. He said, and after about the second hole, she hit one bad shot. She didn't have a meltdown. She didn't throw her club. And she didn't cuss. And God says, she's one of them. I want her. Makes me proud. But you know what? She's got godly grandparents. She's got godly teachers in this church that embraced her in the midst of a lot of heartache, and change in her life. Come alongside her. Lifted her up. And helped form her Christian worldview. Listen, Ethan, I talked to him last night. You know, I just had to have a daddy fix, Philip. You know? And, and so, I called Emily. And Becky comes in. She looks at me. I'm still on the phone an hour later. And she said, you still on the phone? I said, no, I talked to her for an hour. And I called Ethan. I got to talk to both of them. We're going to talk about ball. We're going to talk about hoedowns. We're going to talk about all that stuff. And listen, if you're college kids, get over it. Matter of fact, pick up the phone and call your mama. Call, I call mine every Sunday night. And I'm 55 years old. That's right. It's your turn. You call. You want to be grown up? Do grown up stuff. Don't tell me, I'm too busy. Your mom and daddy's been busy for 20 some years with you. <laughs> Now, you ain't got to pay me extra for that, Mom and Dave, but I'll take any offerings you want to give. Listen, I'm not getting to preach tonight, so I'm going to get it all in this morning. The Bible's very clear when it comes to this. No, no demons. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the fiery darts of Satan and being able to stand, stand. Take a stand, church, that not even Satan can stop what God's willed in your life. And then, the last thing, the world's listening. And as we close this book, he said in 28, verse 28 through 31, Be it known therefore unto you that salvation, that the salvation, the only salvation, is the salvation of God which was sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. 
And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. Even in these hardest of moments, after all they'd done, they didn't just go reasoning how they could prove. Some, it took month after month, year after year, but some of them walked away under conviction by the power of the Word of God. And it said, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. Do you know most uh, of his epistles was wrote during this time? He said he dwelt in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Listen, as they come to the instruments, hear me today. The world's listening. Tell them about the Lord. That's what Paul did. He told his enemies. He told the Jews, listen, salvation is of the Lord. Tell the world about Jesus. Secondly, tell them all. He said he told the Gentiles. He told the Jews. Tell them all of His salvation. Let God worry about the rest. Just preach Jesus. Amen? Tell them all about the Lord. Tell them all of His salvation. And then, keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. That's what the Acts of the Apostles is. The story of the church. The story of salvation. The story of the Apostle Paul. The story of the Apostle Peter. The story of Stephen and of Barnabas. He, he, it's the story of missionaries. It's the story of the Gentile church. It's the story... Not of death, but of life. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. It's all about Him, church. It's about His love, His mercy. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you have no story to tell. You can talk about big bucks and big bass. You can talk about great sales and winning ball games. But the greatest story ever told is the story of how Jesus came to a lost and dying world and called you a broken, wretched sinner headed for destruction. And through repentance, washed you white as snow. Saved you to the uttermost. If you don't have that story, today is the day to make sure you do. If you have that story and you've not been telling it, I've got great news. This is a great week to get back doing it. You need to come pray that God would give you courage and God would give you direction. God would light a fire within you to tell the world Jesus and His love. Whatever you need to do, you need to join the church, you need to be baptized because you've been saved. Whatever you need to do, now's the time. Man, I, there ought to be a rush in our life to rush to an altar of brokenness and repentance and dedication and thankfulness. Stand and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning.